0: Well, good morning, church family. Welcome home. And you know what? It's a a very special welcome home this morning because I saw from the water upstairs that my really good friend, Brother Scotty, and Miss Kathy are over here today. Welcome home, guys. It's good to see y'all. Miss Kathy, you look great as ever. Brother Scotty. I love it. I love it. I love it. If you have your copy of God's word, I invite you to turn to John chapter 6 this morning. John chapter 6. Let me ask you a question, church. Have you ever felt inadequate? Have you ever felt inadequate? Think about the meaning of that word. Have you ever felt inadequate? Well, this morning, it's time for me to invite you back to Vulnerability Corner. And and, and I just want to share with you. I'm just going to be transparent with you some some inadequacies in my life. I feel so inadequate just having the label of pastor. That is a huge huge undertaking that I have so much respect for. And when I think about my friend brother Scotty I think about pastors that that I look to and i say, said, man, those guys are pastors. Dr. Gene Henderson, Brother Scotty, David Wyke. I think about the the amazing pastors in this area. we got Joe McCaig, Matt Haynes, J.D. Thorne, Blake Kersey. We have amazing pastors in this area that that I look at these men, these godly men, and I look at them and I I think about the idea that that I, too, am called a pastor and I think, "What, what in the world? That I should be counted amongst them? It's a real life inadequacy on my part. And maybe you deal with the same thing. Maybe you've got the same thing going on, but maybe it's in a different context. I know here, I've talked to so many people who are Sunday school teachers here, and almost every Sunday school teacher I've ever talked to in this church about being a Sunday school teacher says the same thing. They say, they say Justin, I really don't know why I'm a Sunday school teacher. I think I learned more than anyone else in the class and I think there's multiple people in my class more able to teach Sunday school than I am. And I appreciate their humility and and, and a reflection of their honesty, but at the same time they're amazing Sunday school teachers. Or maybe you put it in the context of being a deacon when you think about the, the the men who have carried that title before you, and it's like, man, but what, I'm, I mean, I'm a deacon, but man, look at these guys that in whose footsteps I follow after. Maybe you put it, uh, let's think outside the church. Maybe you put it in a different context as, as you know what, maybe, maybe you just feel inadequate as a dad or a mom because you think about. The example that you hold yourself to—maybe your mom or your dad, or maybe somebody that just really invested in you—and you look and you're like, "Man, I just—I am so—I have so little to give compared to them." It's an inadequacy that when we look at the—and the list could go—you could look in your medical profession or your profession, maybe your medical person, maybe your teacher, maybe your whatever field you—you are could go on and on down the list and find inadequacies where you just sit back and you think, "Man, I don't—I'd have so." Little to offer. What in the world? I wrote a list. Maybe it's we feel inadequate because of a, a knowledge, service, availability, talent, resources—all these things that we don't think we have enough. I, I, I circle. I said, or even worse, when we start comparing ourselves to other people with the same title, it's just you feel so small. But, but church, let me reassure you something this morning. God takes our little and builds a kingdom out of it. And I want to assure you of that this morning as we turn to God's word in John chapter 6. I want to show you something really, really profound in God's word. As we look in John chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse 1. Look at this. It says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him, because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near, and when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Look at this in verse 6. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. (laughs) I love that verse. It's just kind of like Jesus is like, yeah, okay, keep going, sorry. Philip answered him, man, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but, but how far will they go among so many? Boy, the disciples are quick to diagnose a problem, aren't they? Y'all, y'all want to hear kind of some truth? we are too. <laughs> we're the exact same way. I mean, look at what their response was. Oh, it would take over a half a year, and he asked Philip. Uh, the, the area they're in, the Sea of Tiberias, where they were at, is, is kind of near Philip's hometown, so there's a reason why Jesus asked Philip this, uh, because Philip's thinking, you know what, we could go to my hometown, but it would take over a half a year's wages to buy enough food just for everyone to have one bite. How, how much food are you talking about, Jesus? Because we can't afford that. And then Andrew speaks up, and he's like, hey, I got, here's, a, here's a little boy. He's got five barley loaves and two fish, but that's not going to go very far. They're diagnosing that problem real quick, aren't they? They see an issue, and they start looking at what they have. But see, Jesus, and again, I draw back to that verse 6. He knew what he was going to do. He wanted his disciples to see. He wanted his disciples to know. He wanted his disciples to trust in who he is. And what he can do. Because the minute they come up with something, they start looking around and start trying to figure out what they can do. Church, we do the same things. We run into a problem. We run into an issue. We run into something that's a little bit bigger than us. that's over our head. And instead of turning and looking to the Lord and saying, okay, Jesus, what would you do? What do you want to do? What do you want to use me for in this situation? We start saying, we don't have enough. We better start scrambling and figure this out. But when, like the disciples, when do we just stop and see Jesus? In the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a situation, in the middle of a dilemma, when do we just stop trying to fix it and just look to Jesus and say, hmm, you know, I, I bet he's got something in store for this. Let's keep reading. Verse 10, Jesus, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, which was about 5,000 men were there. So Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. What did Jesus do? All right, pop quiz. What did Jesus do after he had them seated and took the loaves? He gave thanks. Thanks. Because even though Jesus in verse 6 knew what he was about to do, he wanted the Father to receive all the glory for what was about to happen. Look, he didn't say, hey, give me that bread. Watch this, guys. No, he took the bread and gave thanks. God, what's about to happen, we present to you. And only this can happen with you. May it be in his church. He did the same with the fish. Verse 12, when they had all had enough to eat... He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. This morning, church, I want us to use God's word to see that God can take our little and do great things with it when we choose to be obedient with our little. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing text. Many of us have heard this before, but this morning I want us to try to put a little bit more flesh into it that that maybe we don't walk around with a bag full of five barley loaves and two fish, but we have invested in us because we're made in the image of God, something that we can give for God's glory for him to do great things with, but it requires our obedience. And we sit back like the disciples did and we take inventory, but I have so little to offer. God says, your little is enough if you bring it to me. This morning, I've got two people that I'm inviting up. You guys can come on down. I've got uh, Miss Veronica Keene who is the director of Save a Life, uh, and and Mr. Larry Franks, who's the director of First Priority. And uh, I've asked them just to share a little bit of their testimony of, of, of an example of this. So I don't know who wants to go. Ladies first, I assume.
1: So he said to give a little testimony about myself, and I'm like, that's really hard to do. I don't know if y'all have ever had to do that, but that's kind of difficult. Um, So I got saved when I was seven years old, and a lot of people think, well, does it really stick when they're seven? Well, sometimes it does. I feel like mine stuck pretty good. I'm still saved, so that's good. The other thing was, as I was seven years old, I wasn't really looking around like, what can God do to use me? The things that I did love was Jesus and my baby dolls. I also loved singing because my whole entire family sang or played music. We learned really quick that that was not how God was going to use me. He chose not to use me that way. My cousins made sure when we started singing, I only got the oops. You know the backgrounds that you could sing, so it was pretty bad. So fast forward, uh, loving Jesus, loving children, and the Lord blessed me with a beautiful husband and beautiful children, and. Um, I still felt very inadequate as a mom. I wanted to do great things. How was I going to do that? I didn't know. I just loved children. I loved everybody's children. And so I didn't know how God was going to use that. Well, for you parents, they're about to homeschool. God told me I had to homeschool, and that scared me to death. I thought this, well, at least they'll love Jesus. They won't know anything else, but they will love Jesus. So... That was good. So they're not, they both are in college and doing great. So parents, they were having to look at that. You can do it if you have to, for sure. The other ways I thought, God, how can you use me? And I got the opportunity to go on a mission trip to Ecuador. And that was a life-changing moment for me. Because at one point, Brother Scotty looked at me and said, you're up. And that meant I had to share the gospel. And I was scared to death because all these people were going to go to hell because I didn't share it right. I was so worried about it. And I quickly realized I had no idea what that translator said, but I was sure she knew how to direct them to Jesus. And she did a great job, I'm sure, because many people raised their hand that day. And I fell in love with sharing the gospel. Like, oh, yeah, that's my thing. That's what I want to do all the time to everybody. So time goes on, and I start, home, I'm still homeschooling my kids, and I'm delivering auto parts. Now, there's a job for you. I'm delivering auto parts, and I'm thinking, God, how are you using me this way? I've delivered auto parts. I've kept people's children. I've done all kinds of things, but I'm still not using that sharing the gospel the way I wanted to. And so I started praying about it. I'm listening. I'm calling people on the phone, checking on people, trying to, you know, do the things I think God's want me to do. And then it just hits me, I want to go be a counselor. Because every time I go to town, people stop me and tell me all their troubles. I have no idea why. They just start telling me everything on the pickle aisle and on the, wherever I'm at. They're just telling me all their troubles. And I'm like, all right, you want me to be a Christian counselor. But how am I going to do that? I homeschool my kids and I deliver auto parts. And the Lord sent someone to me and said, hey, if you want to go to college, I would love to pay for your way to go to college what? Because that can only be God, right? I mean, who does that? And so I'm like, well, yeah. He said, so call someone and find out. So I call up my Uncle Donald who's a preacher and I said, where do I go to be a Christian counselor? I need help. And he's like, well, honeybee, let me tell you. So he starts telling me all about it. So I enroll in college along with PJ and we look like the Goofy movie because I'm like in 50 and I'm 40 something and I'm in college with my son. That was rough, let me tell you. But during that time, I'm still wondering, God, how are you going to use me? Here I am. You know, I barely got out of high school. And I'm raising these poor kids and, you know, trying to share the gospel. And now you want me to listen to everybody's problems and give them advice? Really? (laughs) Okay. So along with all that happening, some people approach me and go, you know, Save a Life Pregnancy Center is looking for a new director. And I'm like, well, I hope they find a good one. (laughs) Yep. And so I go home and I tell Jay and he's like, well, you should apply. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't even have a college education. I barely made it out of high school. The only thing I know is I love Jesus and I love kids and I love people and everybody wants to tell me their problems. How in the world? So I start going Uh, to these interviews just like one after the other and they're asking me questions I have no clue the answers to let me just tell you none whatsoever all I knew was I love Jesus and I wanted to share the gospel so then they call me and they tell me that I've got the job I am absolutely floored amazed and scared to death now if I'm not only going to mess up my kids I'm going to mess up the half of Decatur (laughs) so what am I going to do right The only thing I could do was trust in God because he's led me this far. Brother Scotty one time told me if it's his deal, it's his bill. So I took it also to mean if it's his deal, it's his will. And he's going to get me through one way or the other. So with that being said, I have the greatest opportunity every day to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with so many people. Not just women that are pregnant, but young men Young women, children, mothers, grandparents, aunties, uncles, whoever is raising a kid or needs help, we get the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And so I was figuring up, trying to add up. So about how many people has Save a Life Indicator impacted since I've been there? Now, mind you, I've done absolutely nothing because I'm just a little girl from, you know, Mud Tavern, Alabama. So I haven't done a whole lot of anything except try to do what God wants me to do. Cause what I feel that I've got to bring to the table is nothing. When we were sitting in those interviews, I saw people that came in with degrees from Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, wherever, big degrees, had worked in businesses. This was a 30-year ministry that God laid in my lap. You know, and that meant if the toilets was broke, I had to fix them. If the employees needed something, I had to do it. Everything that goes on, I have to tend to, but really I don't. I have to give it to God and let him tend to it, and I forget that sometimes. But here's some, I just want to give you a few statistics about Save a Life. So this year, even with this crazy virus going on and we had to be closed a month, we've already seen 926 clients just this year. That's, that's till May. Uh, we've seen 40, 466 children and 117 others. Now you think, now who's those others? Y'all, I have the coolest thing. If a homeless person comes up, if you'll take them to a room and share the gospel with them and tell them you're going to feed them in a minute, they'll listen to you. every time so if they show up wanting something you got to hear the gospel first everybody gets the gospel first right so that's the only reason did you know that the only reason save a life pregnancy centers were started crisis pregnancy centers was they needed a way to share the gospel they were looking for a way to share the gospel and when roe versus Wade came along they thought oh man we'll use that we'll give free pregnancy tests And then we can tell them about Jesus. So what we do is we tell them about Jesus and then we give them the free pregnancy test, right? So anyway, we've had... Now, this is crazy to me. Just this year, since May, January to May, we've had 25 people to receive Christ. And we've had 19 rededications. We've had 112 ultrasounds already performed. And out of 112, 111 chose life. So since... Six and a half years ago, I figured out we have seen over five thousand ladies choose life indicator. Can you imagine? And praise be to God. And we have seen over twenty-three thousand people impacted because we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with them before we did anything else. It don't matter what you got because it's not about you, it's about what he's got and you willing to let him use it through you.
2: Wow, I should have went first. (laughs) Uh, Always delighted to have the opportunity to share my story because it's my story. And my story is unlike anybody else's story. See, sometimes we feel like our story has to match somebody else's story for us to have a story. And uh, that's not the case at all. I am uniquely made. I was raised in a pastor's home, and I thank God for parents who... Knew the importance of having me in the house of God under the preach word of God and the teaching of the word of God. And God began to do a work in my heart as a young child that I didn't even know. You see, sometimes as parents we think, boy, such a hassle to get the kids up and get them ready and get them to church. Is it worth the fight and all of those things? You never know what God's doing in the life of your child, but you having them here shows them the importance of the things of God. And so I'm grateful for parents who instilled that, again, into my heart and into my life. As I matured in my walk with Christ and in my faith uh, with God, I knew he was calling me to ministry and um but i also know me <laughs> We, most times, are our worst critic, and there's two people that do not want you to exceed in ministry, and that's the enemy, and most times our own mind that will tell us that we're not capable uh, to do that. And so I, I began to do my best Moses impersonation to the Lord and said, God, I, I can't, uh, I, I, I'm not your guy, now's not the time, and I begin to throw all of these excuses out to the Lord as to why he shouldn't use me and call me. Uh, to ministry and then I got really bold because my dad was a pastor and I saw the the backside of the things in the church and I told God I'll do anything that you ask me to do except to be in the ministry now I want to encourage you to never tell God what you will and won't do because he will prove to you who's God and who's not and so I'd kind of set the table to say hey I'll do anything you want me to do but but I'm not going to do this and so as I wrestled and had no peace in my life because I knew God was calling me to do something that I had not surrendered to do, once I surrendered my heart and my will to his heart and his will, everything changed. Uh, I, I've served on staff of some of the greatest churches in America. God led me in 2014, as you know, to, to begin as the executive director full-time for First Priority of Greater Decatur, and as, as you also know, we've seen over 5,000 students Come to know Christ right here in just Morgan and Lawrence County on the public school campus. And so when I said, God, I can't, God said I will. (laughs) And so when once again, I surrendered myself to that. Now, in thinking about God's call on my life and calling me to serve students on the public school campus, one thing that many of you don't know, even those that are probably close to me, don't know as a part of my testimony is I'm a high school dropout. I never finished high school and I have no college. I have no seminary. All I have is a heart that has surrendered to God and said, God, if you'll use me, I'm willing. Uh, And so my question to you today is, what's your story? What's your reasoning for not serving God in some capacity? You see, I look at the 5,000 plus students in just our area that have received Christ through the ministry that God's called me to lead has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with Larry Franks. But I asked myself this question many, many times. What if Larry had said no? What if Larry had made the choice, God, I'm not going to follow your your call and your will for my life because I can't. I know my abilities. I I know what I can do and can't do. So, God, I'm not your guy. I wonder how many of those 5,000 students have the potential of going to hell because Larry said, I'm not. I can't. I won't. And I promise you, there's a room full of people sitting here today that God's calling. It it may not be save a life. It may not be first priority. I, I don't know what it is, but I promise you this. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's calling you today to serve and to further the kingdom. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's great news. He's calling you too. He's calling you to come to him and to surrender your life to him. Many of you older folks will remember this old, old song that my family used to sing all the time. It's called little is much when God is in it. It's not about me. It's not about Verona. It's not about our ministries. It's about him. And if we can guide and direct everyone to him, he will change people for eternity. That's my story. What's your story? Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you guys.
0: Wow. Thank you guys so much. What amazing testimonies. Uh, I, I, I I talked with Verana this week and about everything that Save a Life has coming up and how this pandemic's affected their ministries, and she was sharing me some of these things, and she gave me a pamphlet. In 2019, last year, 733 moms chose life. Almost 800 people. Church, look around this room. If we rip the tape off and take the tabs off, this room comfortably seats 800 people. In 20 years, when those babies are 20 years old, they will be able to fill up this room because of the ministry of Save a Life in one year's time. 5,000 students giving their life to Christ through first priority. Because God uses people that says, I can't, what do I have to offer? I don't have very much, I have very little, and God says, a little's enough for my kingdom. When we hear these stories, church, we should be filled with wonder. And not because of, wow, Verona's amazing, wow, Larry's incredible, but a wonder at who God is and what he can do and Larry I appreciate you taking us there because we should be asking that question if if God can use Larry Franks and God can use Veronica how can God use me what can God do in my life what can God do with my little church this morning this morning realistically is a culmination of us asking this question whether you realize it or not i'd like to point you this morning to the question to the answer to that question of what can god do with my little as a church we've been asking god for a long time to help us get debt free but to do it in such a way that only he gets the glory for it when 2020 started this year we said "Hey." We believe, we had it all mapped out that by December 31st, we're going to be debt-free. In church, the reality of it is a pandemic hit. And, and, and we didn't know what we were getting into. We didn't know what was happening. We pulled back on what our, our spending and putting extra money towards the, the debt because we didn't know what was going on. But did you hear what I said? We had it all mapped out. How could God get glory for it? if we had it all mapped out. On July 13th, almost 2 weeks ago, one of our trustees walked into CBNS Bank and handed them the final payment of what we owe on this building. Westmead Baptist Church today we stand and gather debt free. Yeah. And church, we're debt free because God, that's it. We can finish the sentence right there. We're debt free because God delivered us through his people saying, I only have a little, but I'm going to give. When people say, I have a little, but my little belongs to God, God says, watch what I can do with your little. And just like what Jesus did when when he took the loaves, when it was all they had, and he gave thanks by giving glory to God. Today, this is how God answers our prayers. When we say, hey, God, we want to be debt free, but we want to do it in a way that only you get the glory for it. And we think it's going to happen by December 31st. And then everything in the world goes crazy, and God says, now, now y'all are set up to see my hand at work. Because if we got in December 31, be like, look how we planned it out. Look at all this. God said, no, 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 no. I'm going to get the credit for this. And today is a day of worship and celebration because of God's faithfulness and our obedience in that, that we say we're debt free. And as I was talking to one of our trustees and charter members, I was informed that this is the first time in Westmead's 52-year history that we stand fully debt free do you know what god can do with our little he built a kingdom out of it church if we focus on what god can do with what we have unlike the disciples unlike me so many times where i just focus on what we have well we got five loaves and two fish how's this going to go around everybody well, we don't, We need a half a year's wages to We would have to do this. We would have to do... If we just stop focusing on what we have and we start focusing on who God is and follow through in obedience in that, God is unlimited in what he can do when we let him by faith. But I want to point you to something. We can't miss this. This is why we read through verse 15. Look at what Jesus did in verse 15. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come, make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself so we could spend time with the father church we need to understand very important things from this text one that jesus himself before anything happened he gave god glory for it and in just a minute church we're going to give god some glory but i want you to see the people's response see jesus met a physical material need in their life in their case it was hunger and what did they do they wanted to respond and make jesus king because of what he had done for them By meeting a material need. Church, may we not be like these people. We need to make sure that we declare Jesus is king, not because we're debt free. We could be debt free for 400 more years and Jesus would still be king of kings and lord of lords. And this church would bow to him in that respect. But we need to be like the little boy who gave his little. See, the people, when they had a material need met, They wanted to make Jesus king by force because he met a material need. This little boy, he knew Jesus was king because of what he saw. Not because of what he got. Westmead needs to be a church that declares Jesus is king because of what we see him doing in and amongst us. Not because of where we are debt free, not because of what we get. We need to be like this little boy and recognize that Jesus can use our little. Cuz I promise you this. A little's enough. A little's enough. I'm going to invite our praise team to come up and lead us because it is a time church to give praise. Something we've been praying for for so long, isn't It's a not enough for us to just clap. But 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 we We tried to downplay it. I actually invited Brother Scotty to be here today. Because in all this story, Brother Scotty, you come on up if you don't mind. Uh, I told Brother Scotty, the day we go debt-free, brother, I'm going to hold the paper and you're going to burn it. Because, church, God used this man obediently for 18 years. And for 18 years, yeah, absolutely. For 18 years, this man has been in obedience working ...towards what God has called him to. And Brother Scotty, today is the culmination of that. So here's what's going to happen. I brought a pot. We learned quite recently... ...that fire... ...and fire alarms don't go over well. So we're going to... ...here's what we're going to do, church. Our praise team is going to lead us in song you already sang. And you didn't know you were warming up for it. It's called To God Be the Glory. Church, this is not a song. It's not words on a screen. This should be a cry of our hearts... ...where we say to God be the glory, great things He has done. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus today and celebrating the faithfulness of our God that we knew was coming to this day. So church, I invite you to stand and I'm going to uh, I'm going to hold the pot and the paper, Brother Scotty. Oh, good. If you'll do the deed. And let's sing, church, let's give him worship for who he is.
2: Praise the Lord.
0: This is a great day. This is a great day. Uh, shh. There's a whole other service that doesn't know this is going on. Y'all better be quiet. Keep secret, okay? But church, hear me on this. And the same thing. This is what something Larry said earlier. We celebrate being debt free. It's money, guys. It's not going to last. It don't matter. What will matter is where do you stand with God? This, 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 is, this is celebrating a debt, and a debt for a long time we thought we couldn't pay, but God said, I can. And some of you now are standing right where you are, and if you really get serious with yourself, let's forget about money and burning notes and wondering if fight. let's just get rid of all that right now and just answer this question, where do you stand with God? Because you might be standing there thinking, man, forget a piece of paper, I got a debt, I know I can't pay because I've offended a holy God because of my sin. Phoebe and I were talking up top and she said, you know, I I was scared because I've been baptized before. And and I thought, well, surely that that, what would people think? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know, I'm ready to give my life to Christ, but I've done through the whole thing. What would people think? When you stand before God, it doesn't matter what people think. Where's your heart? Stand with God. Because we burn a piece of paper, did you know that today you could be debt free? That your sin could be forgiven, your sin could be removed from you, and you could stand in right standing with God, maybe for the first time ever. Would you be willing to say, God, make me debt free? Because of what He done, did by sending His Son, and when Jesus died on a cross. Every bit of the sin of the world was on his shoulders so that when he died, our sin died with him should we choose to accept Jesus as the payment for our sin. When we don't, that's us telling God, I can do it myself. You can't. It's a debt you'll never be able to pay until you trust the Lord Jesus. Today, you can do that. In just a few minutes, we're going to have a time called an invitation. The, the team's going to sing. We're going to sing. And I encourage you, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you're sitting there thinking, you know, I, I sure would like to be in that baptismal water where it really counts this time instead of just getting wet. I really want to know that my sin's forgiven. I want to be debt-free. And I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about our heart right with God. Won't you come? When they start singing, just step out of your pew right down front. We're going to have our staff on both sides down here. You just come up to one of them and say, I want to be debt-free today. And they'll take you around back. They're just going to pray with you. They're going to pray for you. They're going to walk you through what God's word says. This is how you're debt-free through the blood of Jesus. Don't wait. Because God loves you. He's not mad at you. He desires you. Won't you come and respond to him by saying yes today? Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for the privilege we have today to worship you because of what you've done by standards on which this earth can measure. But God, what is far of more greater value is the life that we have and the life that we choose to give to Christ. And for those in this room that have professed Jesus is Lord, I echo what my brother Larry said. Where are we bringing our little so that God can do great things with it? God, continue to lead. God, convict us if that's what it needs to happen. But God, for the person in this room right now that knows there's a debt of sin, that they've never trusted Jesus, I pray, Father, that we can truly celebrate one person giving their life to you today. I ask that you give them strength and courage and in just a few minutes when we sing, when we respond, God, that they step out and they walk down front to either side of the platform and talk to a staff person. God, may this be the day that they become debt free in Christ. God, have your way with us. Lead us and guide us and be glorified in our response. Seated real quick. I got several announcements for you. I want to make sure we get all of these going on. We got Sunday school happening. We got Sunday school actually going on right now. And many of you, when you leave this morning, will be going to your Sunday school class. And there's classes meeting tonight. Uh, I say this because we're meeting in Sunday school for now. Um, we're constantly reevaluating what's going on around us and trying to make the right decisions. So uh, just letting you know. Uh, a couple of things coming up I want to make sure you're aware of. Next week, next Sunday night, at 6 p.m. Next Sunday night at 6 p.m. is the prayer walk on our school campuses. It's our state's uh, day of prayer um, in which we pray for our schools. Uh, And I'm encouraging you next Sunday night at 6 p.m. to go to a school. It could be an elementary school, middle school, junior high, high school, wherever you go. Go to a school and just walk that campus and pray for them uh, if you're able to. Um, I've talked to people before be like, Justin, I just pray from my house. Well, I believe God does hear us where we are, um, but a two-minute prayer from our house is a little different than we go and we stand on a campus where spiritual warfare is taking place all around us. And, God, and we know that God is at work on the lives of our school campuses from the testimony earlier. We also know that I hope you've been praying for our teachers and administrators and our superintendents. It's unbelievable the pressure that's on them right now. So next Sunday night... Our church actually is, is a an adopt, we've adopted Wood, Woodmead Elementary. So if you're looking for a school to go to, you can join us at Woodmead. It's going to be outside. We're going to be spread out in social distancing. Wear your masks, and we're just going to walk and pray, uh, as long as you feel led to. If 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 you move, live somewhere else, go to the local school. There's probably going to be an organizer there that uh, they'll tell you some very specific things to pray for for that campus. But we as a church are going to support praying together. We need to be a praying church. And this is where we practice that by being on campuses and lifting up our students and the teachers. Um, That is next Sunday night at 6 p.m. A couple of things coming up. Uh, We're going to have Discover Westmead in two weeks on August 9th. For anybody interested in joining Westmead and wondering what it's like to be a member here, we're going to have Discover Westmead. It's a membership class. It's going to be meeting at five o'clock that Sunday afternoon across the street in the fellowship hall. We're going to provide a, a meal for you. Um, we're going to spread everybody out and have a great time, uh, and we're just going to talk about what it means to be a Westmead Baptist Church member, what you should expect from a, ch- a church, what your church should expect from you. Uh, but we need to know that you're coming, so you can, you can contact us. You can email the church office, call the church office, and say, hey, put me down for however many so we can have enough food for you. But that's happening in two weeks on August the 9th. Uh, last thing, Actually, it's not. I lied. I'm sorry. Uh, I took it back before I was corrected. Um, church conference is happening not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, August 5th at 7 p.m. in the upper room. That's our business meeting. Uh, we haven't had one since uh, when was it? February? February. Uh, so we need to we need to take care of a few things. There's nothing urgent on the on the agenda or anything. Uh, we'll try to live stream that. Just so if you don't want to be here, that you can still have access to that to hear what's going on. But that's happening August 5th, 7 p.m. in the upper room. Uh, And then two last things. As you leave this morning, make sure you take your bulletin with you. Uh, I know everyone's like, I'll leave it for the next group of people. There's a pandemic going on. Please don't leave your bulletin. Uh, Take it with you uh, on your way out. And remember, let's keep a secret for one more hour, all right? Is God worth praising today? Then let us give him praise and be continued to do so. Thank you so much for being here. As We do ask that as we dismiss, you go ahead and exit the room so we can get it cleaned and have it ready for our next service. We love you. Thank you for being here today.